<laughs> oh shit, are you saying that this random fantasy themed thing is exactly like politics? Mm. It's just like, like um, Harry Potter. Potter. I'm a member yeah. of Dumbledore's army. Oh good. Yeah, Dominic Cummings. The child is just militia. Like, uh Wormtail, I guess. <laughs> well, actually oh. JK Rowling said he was like Voldemort because Voldemort also um wouldn't wouldn't abide by quarantine guidelines. <laughs> Okay, so this is very low. I want to scream stuff. right into the microphone. Okay. I, I abs- yeah, I really needed uh, J.K. Rowling's opinions on the current crisis. Yeah, well, I'm glad she's back on Twitter. Always looking for her opinions on <laughs> mm, politics. Can we... You remember... <laughs> this has been a few weeks ago when she posted... Now, normally at this time, I would uh, <laughs> yeah. celebrate... Oh, the tragedy of the oh, yeah. anniversary the of, of the Battle of Hogwarts. You, you made it up. Yeah. It's made up. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, like now it would be ghost. Tragedies in the world. You could also just not do it. Obviously, <laughs> Battle of Hogwarts Day second only to VE Day in importance. Um, <laughs> Read another book. It's incredible she remembers uh, fucking Battle of Hogwarts the same way others do 9/11. She wrote it that herself. She should know. Wizard. And, uh, on that note, I think tomorrow is the glorious 25th of May. So, oh, what does that mean? Should try and get this like. out. Um, it's in Night Watch. It's like the revolution when that happened in Angmore Book. Oh. It was the 25th of Ooh. May. Oh, there's a different quote on time that is now. It's not. Einstein anymore. This time it's Stephen King. Oh, good. <laughs> Another reputable man. Time <laughs> takes yeah. it all, whether you want it to or not. Oh, that's a bit heavy, okay. Cheers, Steve. It could just be Steve takes it all, whether you want it to or not. Who's more cancelled, Stephen King or J.K. Rowling? I think um, J.K. Rowling. J.K. J.K. Although J.K. Stephen, Rowling. Stephen King doing his, like, utmost at the moment, p- posting stuff about how Tara Reid is lying about Biden. I had to... Oh, oh normal. Really? Cool. Yeah, I know. Cool. I unfollowed him. I was just like, oh, I don't want to see this, Stephen. I think Thank I followed him for some dire Believe shit. women, in, unless, unless <laughs> they're accusing... Oh, God. When has any character in any of his books ever believed Jumping on the bandwagon of how funny it is to fat shame Trump. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just dumb criticism. It's like, this isn't useful. <laughs> beyond beyond any of the, like... Oh, but it's epic. <laughs> it is oh, epic. You will not recover from this, and it's not like... It's not going to affect other people <laughs> when you normalize yeah. fat shaming just because there's one bad man who also happens to be fat. Damn, you know, yes. I, I really miss when Obama was in charge and nothing bad ever happened. <laughs> it, it was good. I liked there's it when so many lips bad who believe that. Do you yeah, think that um, epic rap battles of history, the YouTube channel, oh fundamentally changed how people see criticism of political figures i don't know if it it did it or if it was just like a symptom of the same thing that did break everything i think so i think epic rap battles is like one of those those ships that sunk together with uh, i fucking love science yes yeah. it's, it's, it's fun, 2011 fun science internet. stuff yeah yeah it's like vlog brothers yeah, maybe earlier when, 2009 even and, like and I think they did actually have like Neil deGrasse Tyson oh. guest on ERB, so you know it's so it, it's totally I, yeah the same area. 
did did Neil deGrasse Tyson say actually the linear nature of time means that the, these two people from history could never have had a rap battle together? <laughs> actually, um, it was it would be impossible for them to rap due to uh, poor, the poor healthcare, meaning their throats are all fucked up. <laughs> actually, rap as a medium was only uh, only just a, a, arose in the nineteen seventies uh, as a sort of filler in in disco and dance tunes. Uh, so, therefore, Hitler could never have done a rap against Speaking Stalin. Speaking of Neil deGrasse Tyson, remember when um, B.O.B. made a Flat Earth song? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's nephew responded to it with, I think, and I think Neil himself, like Neil Tyson also had a verse in it, uh, which is very bad. Mm. I remember, th- I I remember just, him educating him on the fact that the Earth is round. That was yeah. truly a moment in history. I had this thought today that at one point someone is gonna, like some mildly famous person is gonna tweet about Terry Pratchett's Discworld and some uh, bad journalism is gonna pick that up and think that they are flat earthers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate being online sometimes. <laughs> I, I talked to this about with, with like, some it. other friends earlier about how uh, there's there's been like this ongoing joke about Trump that he oh he tweets from the toilet haha he doesn't and like that's that's the one relatable thing about him yeah it's true <laughs> it's like prime tweeting time yeah tweet o'clock keep thinking about none of this is going to make it in the history books and all these glorious moments will be lost like tears in rain I do wonder what a history of this time is going to look like I, I mean yeah, nothing it's, it's going to be hard to process Okay, my like legend theory is that um, it's gonna be like a weird centrist reading uh, where it's gonna they're gonna blame you know racists in America and not the fact that the, the other candidate was Hillary and that she didn't campaign in several important states and that she only lost because that she, but she won the popular vote so it's. You know, just because the system and not because she didn't even try to work within the system. I mean, that's already like the popular take. Yeah, I think and I think that's going to be that. And when uh, Biden inevitably loses, it's going to be like an extension of that. And it's going to it's going to suck. Yeah, because that like, that's the way we learn history now. But right? then I don't yeah. I have to believe that history in the future will look different in some way. Because, <laughs> because obviously we're heading for a societal collapse. So it's like, what what will the medium of history look like in this collapsed future, where everything is on fire and it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be like you know in um, Bioshock where you go through and you find like the audio tapes, um, yeah. that are relevant to the bit of the game you're in where you'll have to fight someone. It's like mm. that. So uh, you'll be walking down the street and you'll find like um, an iPod Nano and it will have one podcast episode on it and that will be your daily dose of history. And it will and be you this podcast. you have to fight Dominic Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> you have to fight um, uh, dark-sided mutant Dominic Cummings. Because <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be like an actual... I find it hard to believe that it's going to be like an actual post-apocalyptic wasteland the way we see it in video games. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be... It's going to be a lot stupider than that, probably. I mean, it already is. <laughs> yeah. It already is and always has Playing Disco Elysium kind of depresses me in that regard, because it's also, like, basically the 
backstory there is there was a pandemic and then there was a short communist uprising and then there was like a class war and the liberals won yeah <laughs> so well i mean not to disco elysium on our terry pratchett podcast um even though it's the only thing that's been occupying my brain for the past three days um but it is like a very cynical yeah also like sadly optimistic view of a future where like everything is bad but it is haunted by the specter of a past failed revolution but there is some sort of small hope for a future but the sadness is more realistic than like a happy optimism i think mm. well that's that's how the world works when a war happens it doesn't you know, it doesn't all end it, yes people people still live in the ruins of the sort of syrian civil war people live where bombs fall every day and because they have to it always it, ne- it never just ends people don't just leave yeah yeah I, I still think there's going to be like at least a decade of capitalism that is just going to grow like increasingly absurd and increasingly like obvious that it's not working, but they're still going to keep going. Well, that's the that's the two paths, isn't it, really? It's that either things increase exponentially to the point where it literally is kind of feudalism, but like Amazon feudalism. Yeah. Or... <laughs> it becomes, like, so there's a breaking point at some point and there has to be some sort of restructuring. Um, but I don't think we have the mindset anymore where we're capable of imagining a world where things are restructured. So, woo. Yeah. It's very disappointing. It is like seeing, like, people... I was talking to the guys about this earlier. It's like seeing the people who work for the same company as me and there's been, like, loads of talk of, like, oh, you should join unions because it's... Uh, it's a bad time and so many people saying like oh we don't need unions we don't need to change things like why would you ever ask to change the system that we live in even though it's like it's bad then they know it's bad but they they don't think that it can change <laughs> yeah mm. it's like a complete lack of i don't know people are just working imagination <laughs> yeah we're just like completely got destroyed in the 80s and now no one believes in collective power for some reason Weirdly, there's this, uh, you get in the sort of soft left, this weird sort of um, reverence for how uh, docile the British public is historically. Mm. Have you ever read the uh, the George Orwell essay slash short book, The Lion and the Unicorn? It's an essay. No, nope. Nope. Uh, well, he goes on about how the English have always been like, we haven't done, we haven't done big revolutions like in like other countries. And that's why we're so sort of gentle and nice. And people shouldn't, people shouldn't uh, sort of wish for, wish for a revolution. I've seen that and thought it, so in so many places, and it's just not true in any way, and it's so it's, annoying. It's it is very irritating. We've we've had huge social like uprisings. The yeah. bloody civil war. <laughs> there were that was a, a massive uh, sort of class and religious and uh, sort of power uprising. It, it was. And <gasps> what the fuck does British people being gentle and nice mean? <laughs> it, means, it means we don't go out and set fire to cars as often as they do in France. Yeah, that's literally all it means. We just set fire to other people's cars and we're like, this is fine. This is expansion mm. and it's and it's moral. Oh, it's because every journalist and everybody who writes like that lives in the same area where they all are really good friends with their neighbours and they have regular street parties and they, you know say oh please and thank you to each other in the streets and stuff and then they can't Mm. imagine 
a, a world where people in this country are incredibly racist. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen British media. Like I've seen what the how the newspapers like cho- chose to portray Jeremy Corbyn, <laughs> and it's not gentle. Yeah, anyways. it was very normal <laughs> and and justified. Actually, he he rode a Maoist bicycle, so <laughs> I guess that's why he lost the election. Oh, God. If you're wondering what this has to do with uh, with Terry Pratchett. Well, well I'll, that's what I'll we're talking what about to today. Do, what, what it has to do with is the bit where Vine says that you give an Hank Morpocky in a big stick and they'll end up beating themselves to death with it. And that's what... <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Britain. Yeah, there you go. It's, the whole mo- that- it's the whole monarchy and the whole blind idea that you would make a, a dragon king because he's got all that sort of dragony stuff and you know he'll oppress you really well so that's what you look for in a king and that's the british it's spirit like the yeah it's like being incredibly servile as 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 a culture yes <laughs> taking yeah. pride in your civility being like oh i'm just a i'm just a hard-working son of the soil i work at at Starbucks where they pay me seven pounds an hour but that's okay with me I love it here mm, like the, the keep calm I and carry on yeah, yeah. It, was ne- it was never even used as a poster because people found it irritating yeah which <laughs> it is because it is it was confusing mm-hmm. yeah people people in the war never like they tested it and they found that people thought it was insulting to them because they were keeping calm and carrying on because you do everyone does you have to people you know, even if a city gets bombed, people don't just go, oh, shit, and, like, start murdering their neighbours, because that never happens. <laughs> no, because we're social. But it's yeah. like, it's like, um, it wasn't that meant to be used if there was an invasion. It's, wasn't it, like, meant to be a if, if invaded, keep calm and carry on? Which is, like, <laughs> why would you carry do on, that? Do whatever they say. <laughs> do what the Nazis say, I guess. Yeah. Remember when the keep calm and blank thing was, like, a meme? I had a poster. But, like, unironically. <laughs> I had a poster. I've got a mug. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the different merches where they, like, thoughtlessly slap whatever piece of the pop culture. Keep calm and... Harry Potter. Exterminate. <laughs> <laughs> Keep calm be, and drink and things. <laughs> Keep calm and exterminate would be a pretty good uh, Tory slogan, actually. <laughs> keep, keep calm and capitulate yeah, my... to the ruling classes. Mm. there was like a time where Doctor Who was actively leftist or like actively uh, anti-Thatcherist but like at this point it's probably like a milquetoast liberal people think that ah I can't this is the thing where people have this insane idea that Jeremy Corbyn was this like insane leftist guy who like had all these like mad ideas and like I think it's just that the country used to be far far more left wing than it is now and we've yeah. just become this sort of weird... I don't know. I don't know what we are. We had organised labour. Yeah. It's like when the like very mild proposal of um, having nationalised broadband, because it is a utility at this point, Like yeah. just like gas and electric and water, internet is a utility, and then everybody lost their fucking minds. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, but have you considered that 5G yes. actually... Spreads COVID. <laughs> well, that's true, and can't trust it. 
another Discworld novel, which once again features one of the more familiar characters of the Discworld, Samuel Vines. Mm-hmm. Sam Vines. Uh, he most decidedly doesn't save the world. What he does do is give the world time to save itself, which is very much more of a, a Discworld way of doing things. Sam Vines is not gifted with a huge intellect. It's absolutely right for Sam Vines. Trolls and dwarves and vampires. Discworld way of doing things. Vines find himself in the same circumstances. And I really trust you. I trusted you up till now. Discworld way of doing things. Welcome to Who Watches the Watch, a Terry Pratchett Discworld The Watch series reread podcast slash critique of the Watch television series coming to BBC America at some point in the past. I am your host, Charlotte, aka Brother Clown. <laughs> I am your host, Lucy, aka Brother Unemployed. <laughs> I'm your host, Janos, a.k.a. Brother Ideology. <laughs> I'm your host, George. Uh, brother Angry. Okay. <laughs> Strong showing there, guys. <laughs> okay, so... So, guards, guards, the title was said. You yeah. did say the title. It's, yeah. It's, um, and Cinema it was super Sins inconsequential. Ding. I... Twice, no, it, it retroactively made it a good title, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> by the by virtue of it being said in the book. Yeah. No, it should either it would only have I would only have been okay with it if it was the last thing said in the book. Then it's okay. Like at the uh, the end of Ace Attorney where he always yells objection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not called objection attorney. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> 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 at the end who, of it, uh, Ace, Ace Attorney when he says my name is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney um, <laughs> yeah so today we we finished Guards Guards we have read the entire book and it's over and it came to a conclusion and everything yeah it yeah. shot his end everything's everything's back to normal nothing <laughs> Ankh Morpork wasn't like completely destroyed by by a dragon no that, that didn't was... happen it was all fine. Um, it was only some minor fires. Yeah, yeah. just some, some minor fires. <laughs> just a few buildings that were stomped. A few buildings, a few people. A street or two. The palace. Like a random guy who we haven't even met, who just happened to get burned. Mm-hmm. The one, the After one. After telling us about the fact he had three daughters who he cared for deeply. <laughs> I've yeah. been I have been having like an a very uh, a very emotional last couple of days and I'm not entirely sure why um, and and there were a couple of scenes in this like bit like I was finishing the last 150 pages of this book where I was like crying and it's not sad the book isn't sad <laughs> but I mean, like, it depends but like Errol got like they think Errol's sick and I'd like burst into tears <laughs> so that's He's fine. how I'm He's doing. Just- He's just plotting, you know? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's distilling and brewing his, his jet fuel. Rearranging his insides. Can I just say something about being sad? Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm noticing a thing in my life that... And it's mostly due to the last 
few months where I'm increasingly dipping back into media I used to be very into. Yeah. Like five to ten years ago. And it's weird. Because, like, like I watched I watched Hot Fuzz yesterday, which was my favorite movie when I saw it. But uh, I've only I've rewatched it a couple of times since then, but not in the last five years. And it made me feel like it still holds up. Oh, it but does. It made me oh, feel like great. oddly nostalgic and like a weird sense of longing of who I was back then and like what my social circles were back then. Uh, Discworld is like a different period of my life and also A Song of Ice and Fire, which I'm also obligated to revisit every week. So <laughs> I'm, I'm dealing with like the, these kinds of emotions. Yeah, it's like longing for a before time, you know? <laughs> A normal time. The yeah. age of the age of innocence. I'm not a particularly nostalgic person. I find it hard to seriously long for the past. It's not really longing for the past, I think. Like, oh, like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I guess. I think I know what you mean. It's not about how I liked things better back then. It's no. also like the depressions I had back then I yes. are also like coming back. Yeah, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, being in lockdown does remind me really heavily of being in first year and being like just so depressed I'd basically never left my room uh, and playing an awful lot of Total War because I had nothing else to do. And oh, I've and been doing I've now been, again. I've been doing the same thing. <laughs> it's not. I don't. I don't even know if I. I kind of enjoy it. It's more just addictive than anything, and just it fills time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, to, to me, it mostly feels like last summer when I was recovering from surgery, except just like over a long, longer period of time, which isn't that long ago. Um, yeah. We're all having a like... great time, aren't we? <laughs> so we're having a normal, we're having an intensely normal time, uh, as I'm sure everyone who's listening is also having. No, I, I'm the only person who's suffering I mean, through this. Un- unless, <laughs> unless you found this on an iPad in like the year... <laughs> 2200 and you're walking through a post-apocalyptic wasteland and now in which case you long for these times we're talking about yeah hello future archaeologists Uh, you still use mudsel charts hey future archaeologists have you gotten over processionalism yet um (laughs) (laughs) positivism never heard of her um yeah so the themes that i I thought we could talk about at some point in the podcast this is just like you know I want to talk about monarchy and ruling. I want to talk about the dragon as, like, a concept. Um, I want to talk about, again, the book as a detective novel and sort of return to that that we talked about in the last few episodes. And I want to talk about the watch as an entity. Um, yeah, I want to talk about point. veterinary. Yeah, oh, and veterinary is definitely, again, the theme of power. Because veterinary is so great in this last, like, third... <laughs> There's some great yeah. <laughs> I love, I love, I love his dungeon. Yes. <laughs> hey, let's let's go through the plot real quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we ended up where like all the brothers uh, got burned. Rip, uh, with the exception of Brother Fingers, who uh, was out to get a pizza, which is just a real thing in this world. A clutch in hot, so extra anchovies. Mm. Yeah. J- biggest F in the chat. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what's on a Clatchian Hots, but I really want one. Yeah, I'm. I imagine it is um, like an American hot. Anyone listening in Cardiff? 
eat Frankie's pizza, it's the best. Oh, oh. yeah, Frankie's pizza is pretty mm. good. Frankie's I pizza is the only good pizza. Okay, I don't, I don't really have a, a good grasp on like what happens in the first third of the reading. <laughs> so it's um, like I've done some like bookmarking, so just like the starts of yes. the bits and bobs. So the gang all gets burnt, and then Brother Fingers is walking back with his pizzas, and then uh, he runs into Sybil and Vimes and the rest of the Watch, and um, they arrest him. And then we get a little glimpse into the fact that prisoners have rights, which, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's good. Um, and so the boys take him into custody. Um, oh, and then they see another figure cloaked coming up to the burnt down house. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Who could it be? Who could that be? Who Ooh. is it? <laughs> hmm. Ooh, I don't know. Can it be now? We learn a little bit about Vimes's childhood and backstory that like connects to that figure, which I think yes. is interesting. The run. The run, yeah. The way that the figure runs is familiar. The following run. Hmm. I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Next, go next section is uh, Vimes and Carrot going up to try and see. Well, he says, "Let's go see the patrician." Obviously, he's gone so they're gonna go and see the new boy king um but the palace guard stops them carrot charges them it's a great scene um the palace guards are described as pretty evil mm. this interesting yeah that contradiction nasty. carrot's a really good boy and i love him um, i like his uh dwarfish war yodel Right, yeah, I forgot that that also happened in this section. Yeah, yeah, there's some great carrot moments in, in like, especially in in this last section of the book. Yeah. yeah. Um, the it's a librarian scene next. Uh, he's in the L space. He's he comes out of the L space because he's looking for the book, basically for the Stolen Dragon book. He comes out mm. into his own library a week before all of this happened and he can see the book and he's like watching for who takes it. And then we get a Once and Vimes chapter. Not chapter, bit. One, once Upon a Vimes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you. <laughs> Boo. Uh, <laughs> Should have been the title of this book. <laughs> It wouldn't have been better than Guards, Guards. I don't think it would have been. No, yeah, I think no. it tells you too much about who's, like, an important character. Uh-huh. <laughs> Vimes, Vimes keeps trying to tell him that the dragon is back, but uh, Once is like, no. He kind of reveals himself by um, asking if anybody in the burnt-down house is able to get out, and Vimes is like, that's an odd question. Mm. Why would you say that? Mm. But Vimes mm -hmm. is also... Mm -hmm. On the point of passing out from sleep exhaustion. Yes. Yeah, he's yes. so tired. Uh, he passes out at the end. Poor boy. Um, but then he wakes up, and Colon has brought him a cup of tea and a figgin, and I can't remember what figgins are. They're like a, a current small... bun. Okay. Yeah, it's more raisiny pastry, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. I've always imagined it. it activated Brother Fingers' PTSD. Yes. Mm. They often, <laughs> if he wanted his figgin toasted, but... They all the all the brothers don't know what a figgin is, so they think it's some like horrible torture. <laughs> they think it's a part of their body. 
This is another well, point where I started feeling really sad when I was reading it. And again, this is because I'm overly emotional at the moment. But um, I was like, oh my God, those were his friends. That was his community. Yeah. And they've all been burnt to like a puddle. So I think it's a very fair point. Week. Like uh, <laughs> These deaths are always dis- described so detached. Uh, like you're like as if you're not supposed to actually feel the weight behind it mm. until you like actually start to think about it. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up that all those all the brethren were just burned. Mm. Yeah. They were just they were not the main bad guys. Yeah, I think a lot of them didn't even actually because it's it's fun to be in a secret society. I imagine. Yeah, that's like that's why half of them joined. They were like, "Oh yeah, I want to dress yeah. up and and sing songs and chants and stuff." But they met they met up with forces they didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't understand. Tragic. <laughs> it's the low it's the low grade evil that Veterinary talks about. Yeah, yeah. The next scene: Colon and Nobby have done some detectoring, um, and they investigated the melted down house where the brothers were meeting um, and there were three societies that met there which were the Fine Art Appreciation Society, the Moorpork Folk Dance and Song Club and the Elucidated Brethren of the Ebon Knight mm-hmm. and we also learned that Nobby does folk dancing yeah he's a he's a Morris dancer I, I love every time we get Nobby lore <laughs> yes. he is a mystery yeah I, I'm gonna say I really enjoy how because I think starting with like eh, approximately around here in the book, we're mostly gonna get uh, Nobby Colon and Carrot and uh, Vimes on a solo mission. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I really appreciate how much the. Because um, like Vimes is clearly the main character, but I really like how much the the other three like get, get a great B plot, I think. Yeah, they're like properly fleshed out characters, which is nice. <laughs> then Vimes, Vimes goes to his greasy spoon. Yeah. Slash sort of, yeah, to, uh, to get some, some horribly unhealthy steak and fried bread. He's, he's, I love this place. It's so familiar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Vimes, Vimes is re- in a Republican comes out again. He gets absolutely enraged. By the fact that Hargar is cleaning out cleaning out the old fat and the, the, the and throwing away the coffee grounds that they've been he's been brewing coffee out of for years. Yeah, he's <laughs> cleaning all the all the happy crunchy bits out of the frying pan and cleaning it and wasting mm. all that delicious grease that's built up over the years. Monstrous. Tarek Bratchett has a it doesn't write about food like George R. R. Martin, but he writes about fat and like absolutely like disgusting, dirty junk food. In, a, in the most loving way. Yeah. Yeah, it's he knows, very he, good. He's a man who knows the value of a, of a, of a fried, fried carbohydrate or two. He yeah, did. That, uh, feels, that feels very British to me. I mean, it oh, is. Yeah. He did oh, have to have 100%. a stent but put in, which he detailed in loving detail in one of his essays, where um, he gets a stent put in and he wakes up and he's like, how did it go? And the doctor was like, it had some interesting moments. Um, <laughs> and apparently they like, hit an artery or something and he was like bleeding loads and then something went wrong with the 
anesthetic so his brain started shutting down and at one point he woke up and he's like I remember waking up and asking someone for a sandwich and he's like yes that happened you kept asking the man in the corner to give you a sandwich but there was no man in the corner and we had to uh, make you go back to sleep really 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 quickly because there was like a thing sticking out of your chest but yeah oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it's so bad Um, but it is very British to like fried food I admit that and, you know, I, and that is me. And I do regularly just get English breakfast from places because it's good. Mm. I had a nice cheese yummy. toasty. They yummy. Like it's it's the highest form of cuisine to me. There's also a line in, in this bit where oh, Vimes is talking about having tried to save up for a new cloak and then just the line, whatever had happened to all the money. And it's just like, oh, this little bit about his drinking. Ah, and we get the librarian discovering who, who stole the book and who the uh, who the supreme grandmaster is, back in time. Yeah. Who who is it? <laughs> it well, still doesn't, it doesn't say. say. <laughs> so we're still in the dark. And then the next day, it's the coronation, and they're talking about lining the streets. And Colon is getting kind of excited, and obviously like, "Oh, I thought you were hated the monarchy." But I don't know. It's just that sort of angmorphian. Like, it's a good show. They want the coronation because it's fun. Mm. It's the aesthetics again. Yeah. 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 This, still no one knows what the name of the king is. No. No, you never learn. <laughs> no, it's not important. He's just a guy. Someone's nephew. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, the next scene is vimes watching the coronation with the chief of the fellowship of beggars and the head of the teachers guild he's a very nervous man um he thinks he sees the dragon it was just a magpie raven yeah i think it was a raven raven. yeah um and so once sacks him for making a commotion yeah which is really harsh (laughs) yeah i wonder if this plays to once his goals at all Nah. Hmm. Once doesn't have any goals. He's just a faithful servant of the crown. I really like the 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 beggar. The fact that the higher ranked a beggar is in the beggars guild, the more they have to ask for. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All like I don't know how to describe like the civic society of Ankh-Morpork is incredibly funny. Like uh, all the uh, the 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 wizards and the priesthood and and all all the various guilds. They're all very very funny. Like the fact that the high priest of Blind Io got won won the honor of being the one to crown the king, but by, by beating them up with a with a stick full of nails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is also where like Vimes is like there's there's this ongoing motive of how Vimes has like uh, sleeping cop instincts. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna put a big parenthesis here to say that it's. You know, fantasy, uh, like fantasy cop instincts, or the the instincts of a cop that of like a media cop, I guess. Not like you know, when I speak about cop instincts, I don't mean the instinct to want to shoot yes. up in a sense. Yeah, we're not talking about to just want to use violence really bad. Yeah, we're not what talking the, about the state violence instinct. <laughs> One of the, uh, the, the the like the the funniest parts about sort of Discord is how tropes and cliches and like storytelling conventions are essentially like some of the laws of nature yeah yes 
like they they everyone appeals to them constantly, like the one in a million thing that comes up later. Yes, I love that so much. It's because it's <laughs> like so, their 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 reality is just narrative, which is very funny. And the the the, the anachronistic things that vines ask people to do. <laughs> it's just really. It's really good, and they're like, <laughs> sort of fourth wall breaking slightly, but in a very cheeky way. Yeah, but this is like at the part where, uh, where like the one I was ref- referring to was when Wants wants to take away his badge, and he feels like suddenly like oddly protective. Yeah, he suddenly yeah. realizes that he does care about being in the watch, and he does care about the watch. Yeah, uh, which is a great moment, and I I laugh how it pays off in like. I think the next scene where all of the all of his fellow yeah, maybe not the next scene but like in a in a scene later where all of his fellow watchmen are like they're, they're so you know confused and sad about the fact that Vimes isn't there anymore yeah yeah, yeah. they're all like oh I really liked him he was a good guy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweet. it's very sweet he's the most natural cop of them all <laughs> Well, there's, um, there's a bit in the companion that I was reading, with the Discord companion. It says, um, Initially, Vimes never got the hang of ambition and worked his way sideways rather than up. His promotion to captain was simply the result of the sheer unthinkability of promoting any other watchman. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, he, he was promoted because he was the only one who's like, possibly can be captain and like, Nobby or Colon. Colon's <laughs> naturally a sergeant. Do. And Nobby is... Um, Nobby, yeah. Nobby's no- Nobby. <laughs> um, Nobby is so much of a Nobby that Vimes docks his pay for being a disgrace to his species. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it in this book they mention he has to have a signed piece of paper that tells people he's human? Yes. <laughs> so the... It's, yeah, it's the scene with the boys on the roof. Not much happens. Um, high priest scene. And then the dragon turns up again. It, the, the dragon is described as coming like very quietly. It's not roaring about. It's sort of... It's got purpose this time. And then we're back to Vimes. He's looking at his paperwork. Eril is sick again. Vimes is very happy when, when, he, when he hears the, the shouts of the joy turn to screaming. Because <laughs> he knows the dragon's back. <laughs> He goes. He gets kind of smug about it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because he was waiting. He knew something was up, and he knew something was going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. He has this interaction with a small Ankh-Morpian child, who's. um, (laughs) I love that child. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who's really determined to see the dragon roast people, and keeps asking if he can shout hurrah, and Vimes is like, yeah, if you want. Um, he's there like oh yeah my aunt said this and that she and then like he says oh my aunt threatened me and he's like well run along and tell her she's being a great parent <laughs> best traditions um, of or child rowing yeah not to not to bring up a problematic uh, comedy troupe but like that child is such a Monty Python character to me yeah oh yeah oh very he likes he likes to put in kids who are a bit grubby and are just hanging out and are like, "Hello, copper, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's happening? Oh, there's a there's a little there's a royal coronation going on. Am I allowed to shout hurrah then?" Um, <laughs> which is very funny, in my opinion. Even though it, it is like all the child characters, it's fun. He is literally going like, "Oh, Mister, you a cop? Spare a penny for the guy." <laughs> 
It's just me, a poor little Mopoki and orphan. Tuesday. In this scene, basically, the dragon kills the existing king, and then everybody doesn't really know what to do. And the high priest offers up the crown that they've made for the like boy king, which is fake. And the dragon knows it's fake because he's a dragon and it can taste gold. And Sybil's telling all of this to Vimes. And then we have Errol again eating. And is this the scene where they put a kettle on him? No. Uh, where Nobby puts a kettle on him. Yeah, yes. Nobby does yeah. it. Because he's so hot. He's just burning up. So he's like, don't want to waste all that energy. Yeah. <laughs> he ends up eating the kettle. <laughs> he's environmentally friendly, Nobby. That's true. Well, he does, he does drink two litres of lamp oil. Yeah. He's preparing. Uh-huh. He's rearranging that- his innards. Yeah, if nothing, if nothing else, because I'm, you know, the watch is going to expand with uh, in the future books. But rereading this book really makes me um, appreciate no- uh, Coran and Nobby again. Like that, that kettle bit is just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> they are like the classic comedy double acts, aren't they? You always yeah. have a big, a big fat man and a little bloke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is like a two Ronnies kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, or Laurel and Hardy, or something. Yeah. The something's know. happening in the palace, but we don't know what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. The patrician is in a rat-filled dungeon. That's all we know about that for now. Ankh-Morpork is celebrating. There's like this discussion between a monarchist um, and some of the others, and he's saying, well, you know, you have to have a monarchy because of this and this. And basically, they've crowned uh, the dragon king. Yes. Um, the dragon is king now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he would be such a great ruler. He's basically <laughs> not as tyrannical as, like, other kings they've had. Yeah. And the foreign policy. Yeah, they want to go and burn the Clatchians. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's going to really... Gonna get any of that pizza. It's going to really increase their uh, their power in the international community. Um, <gasps> it's, it's honestly, like, one of my favourite scenes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of the book where they're like, it's, it's such a small leap to go from, well, a king would be better than the patrician we've had because... Uh, because we had to pay taxes. If one thing I know about kings is they won't let, won't make us make taxes, pay taxes, <laughs> and the old lady is gonna be nice instead of being rude to me. Yeah. And now they went from that to well, actually, it would be great to just burn up the Clatchians. What if we invade other countries with our big weapon king? And Vimes is like, what? But we, I thought we were friends with them. Aren't we allies? Don't we like each other? Yeah, but we didn't have a dragon before. Yeah. <laughs> so now we have the power to invade. Um, it would be silly not to use it. If you, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm. That old yeah. one. But the line that really resonates in with me in this, this bit is, if there was anything that depressed him more than his own cynicism, it was that quite often it still wasn't as cynical as real life. I think I mean, about yeah. that line like that, that, every that day. That honestly, I have never forgotten that line, and I I think about it all the time. Mm. Yeah, it's just that really the difference is that Vimes is aware of it. Like I really don't think Vimes is that cynical. Like he's he's the dreaded humanism. Yeah, he tries yeah. to believe in stuff, but again, the real world is even worse than even his mild cynicism, I guess. I, yeah. I, I really, really identify with it. I, I, do, I get cold cynical a lot. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I am. I, I really don't. I'm just trying to be critical of things which I don't think are right. That's the thing. It's like no, whenever but how dare you? <laughs> exactly. It's like whenever I talk about politics with my parents, or I was like, "Oh, you're too cynical." It's like, well, yeah, but I'm. <laughs> you have to be for some things. It's not even cynicism. It's just like in Reality? most cases, just criticism. Yeah, criticism of what's going on. I'm just talking it's- about stuff that is happening. It's hard not to be politically literate in a leftist sense and not feel cynical about things, or even. I don't know, be aware of the world and not feel cynical or not yeah. be seen as cynical by people who are better at ignoring things. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, feel so, I feel so suspicious when when people are like, when they start to rationalize things. Like the yeah. the mentality of, um, well, Trump is still worse than Biden, so shut the fuck up. Well, it's like <laughs> yeah. the, brain, the brain wants to protect itself and sometimes it will rationalize things that are terrible and yeah but you have to be aware that you can that doesn't mean that things are okay <laughs> at <laughs> least we're still a democracy you know yeah and it's like well you're not really <laughs> and democracy is are. provenly good yeah. there's nothing wrong with it and it can't mm. be abused it's like a- i mean we are in a dictatorship of the elite classes uh but it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> you get to pick which type of elite class you want so yeah, you have to. You get if to you're choose. not in jail, <laughs> if you're not in jail, and um, you're not an immigrant, yeah, and then you can maybe get to decide which elite person decides things um, and negotiates with the international corporations that control most of society. Yeah, <laughs> you can choose between the neoliberal and the racist neoliberal. <laughs> Or a fascist. Yeah, it's fine. Look, you can have this much simpler, we're going to kill loads of people uh, for the sake of money. Or you can have someone who supports the same system that kills loads of people for the sake of money, but is more sort of wishy-washy about it. (laughs) Uh, People are always going to go for the simple thing. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you break that whole paradigm. Pick, Guys, pick I think the... we're being a bit too cynical here. Damn, you're right. You see, this is what I'm talking about. You know, you, <laughs> as soon as you start thinking about this stuff, you do come off as cynical. Um, uh, because bring... things are pretty bad. And yeah. And if you bring that up to most people, they're just going to go, oh, I don't want to hear about that. And they, they, they resent you because you make them feel uncomfortable by talking about it. Can I go on a short tangent here? Because um, we haven't okay. been doing that for 10 minutes. But yeah. I just remember that... Well, I, I, I think about this story quite a lot. Because it's honestly... It's such a good it's such a good demonstration of lip brain. Mm. Uh, when I was talking with, uh, with a guy from my dance team uh, about politics... I think it was something about... Yeah, it was like in relation to Trump and US election and whatever. And I was saying... Well, I, I I don't even I honestly don't even blame people who didn't go to vote because Hillary is you know still a war criminal. Mm. And then he said, "Well, I don't like how much people are throwing around the word war criminal just like that." <laughs> uh-huh. I, I I was honestly too astonished to even reply. Like I wish I wish I had, but like you know 
doing war crimes is a pretty good definition of what a war criminal is. It's someone, yeah, it is oh, someone who does war crimes. It's such, so a, such a harsh them. word. You can't, such a harsh word. You can't just go out throwing it around. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be saying Tony Blair's a war criminal. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> no, no, it did nothing, nothing wrong. Um, war crime is when you do a bad thing in a big war and you lose at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the war thing crime. is, war crimes are bad people and if, like, we're good people... Um, we can't do it. So we can't do war crimes because we're good people. War crimes, um, war crimes are for Africans and for uh, some some Eastern European people. If you're American, you can't do war crimes. The thing is, it's called a peacekeeping mission. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that's like the opposite peace. of war. Yeah. Peacekeeping mission—that's the opposite of war. How could it be a war crime <laughs> when it's euphemism's a not here? Yeah. Does anyone does anyone think it might be a bad thing when you invent? You invent evidence to go to a war that didn't need to happen, and millions die as a result, and, uh, and a huge genocide and instability happens because of it. Hmm. Nah, it's fine. Much to think well, about. Is that a bad thing, or are well, we bad for saying not that's bad? <laughs> what happens if the people you're going to war with you actually funded and helped set up um, in order to combat communism in like the eighties? Um, That'd be weird. That'd be weird, happen. but again, not a war crime. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, you just gave them the weapons. You didn't pull the trigger. Because I learned, I learned English in Germany, as many listeners will know. And there was, there was like a point where the English textbooks start being less about uh, learning grammar and more about like English culture or English and American culture and society, which is, you know, fair. Hmm. But there was a part, like there was a chapter on Tony Blair... Oh my god. <laughs> really? And it represented him in like the most like he was he was young and he was from the Labour Party, so he was from the good guys, but the English people hated him. Hmm. <laughs> and he just portrayed it in a way as, you know, they hated him because they hate progress. They hate a progressive guy. No, and that's like, why that's why they voted him in initially and then yeah. they hated him after he did the war crimes. <laughs> Yep, which he did pretty quickly. He really, he really got his act together and was like, "If we knuckle down, we can do several war crimes in the next in my, within my like three three electoral terms." Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I think that's a strong word. So, so yeah, basically, the conclusion of this is that this. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not ideologically left, I'm not sure what you're going to get out of it. But yeah, sometimes it is extremely difficult to continue to believe in people and people's goodness when things feel like they get worse all the time which is Vimes's thoughts a lot is that people seem to work against their own self-interest a lot yeah. and seem to make decisions for no reason that makes sense to him which is very relatable but you know I think mm-hmm. Vimes still does believe in people just yes. finds it I difficult. I think we can we can talk more about like Vimes's ideology like at the end of the summary because he has that conversation with Vecchio. Yeah, keep going, keep going. (laughs) We've got, like, some pages to get through the reading. Maybe maybe, maybe Um, we should speed up. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so this is the meeting with the head merchants of all the guilds, like, the head merchants, the head of all the guilds, where once is like, so the dragon is king now, um, and 
all that means is that occasionally we have to do just a teeny bit of human sacrifice, but it won't be any of your families. Don't worry, it's fine. Um, and he's looking pretty worse for wear. But um, all of yeah. the men, like, no one speaks up and they're all waiting for somebody else to speak up so that they can, like, half-heartedly agree and it will be fine, but no one does. There's a lot to say about that, but let's keep going. Once mm. has an internal conversation with the dragon who is in his mind, um, kind of torturing him, and they talk about what voluntary means. We have a scene on the roof again uh, where they're, yeah, they're all like, I miss Vimes. I liked him. I'm sad he's gone. She's very sweet. Lady Ramkin tries to understand what's wrong with Errol, but she doesn't. She, like, they keep... I thought Errol was pregnant at this point. I thought Errol was Girl Dragon because his insides oh. were moving around and I was like, ah. Oh. To be fair, Errol's pretty gregarious. <laughs> Errol <laughs> is grignant. Colon does a proclamation about humans. Well... Wait, hang on. Yeah, co- co- sorry, hang on. Can't speak. Colon has to read a proclamation to the people about um, human sacrifices, and they don't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Which, Not a fan. One, they find one brave and principal, principled Ankhmore Porkin. Yeah. Who promptly gets turned into a small pile of ash. Yeah. It's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Colon does this whole like speech though where he's he has that tagline that's like the people united can never be ignited trying yes. to get everybody to rise against the dragon which is a great saying that I think we should use more in real life well yeah. it's just like the people united can never be defeated and it that we do at protests yeah, yeah. but it's really I, so. I do love that scene uh, like both for the for you know for for Colon actually trying Mm. Um, to do a good thing, but also like the the contrast of well, but can we really like? Is it? It doesn't make us fireproof. No, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's very understandable why the why the people are not convinced by that, and I think it's also a bit like because remember how the. V for Vendetta movie turned it into like centrist liberal propaganda. Yeah, I hate that movie so fucking much. <laughs> and it was about like how you know everyone wears a mask. You know we're all in it together. Like some milk toast liberal message. Uh, and anyway, like this this reminded me a, a <laughs> bit of that. Like how the how just simply you know everyone. Wearing the Guy Fawkes mask doesn't isn't gonna solve it. I mean, okay, so it's a good it's a good slogan that people like people together have more power. But if you're loads of unarmed civilians and there's a dragon that can breathe fire, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. What if the what if the state has tanks? You know. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, you sh- sure everybody in an Amazon. Uh, warehouse can strike but also we are in an unemployment crisis and Amazon can fire people and just bring in more staff yeah Yeah. god the tank thing is like actually a national trauma for uh, for Hungarians like it basically ruined the country forever when uh, you know in the in the 50s there was like a 
Stalinist or proposed Stalinist. I think it was like Khrushchev was the uh, Soviet leader at that point. Uh, dictatorship where you know there was like incredible st- uh, state like police violence. Like they lit- literally took people and tortured them. And there was like a revo- like an uprising or revolution led by uh, actually communist politician who uh, who the people wanted as their leader. And who was like, yes, for communism, but no for torture. <laughs> and too. then it, it succeeded for a few days. And then uh, the Russians came in with tanks and it got, um, you know, it basically hit back the entire country for up till today. Like, it literally didn't get better uh, after that. Uh, and, and you know, that's... By the way, if if you're a... Like, the, the word tanky also comes from that. Like, it's the... It originally used to mean people online who defended the Russian intervention in Hungary. Yeah. The, it, the, that kind of destroyed um, the legitimacy of of the Soviet Union in the eyes of a lot of Western communists. Yeah. Um, that, like, it fell apart and Stalinists became, well, <laughs> but rightly so, Stalinists became sort of unpopular because it made apparent as, as to what the USSR was. It was, an, it was another imperial power of a different kind. Can I get loads of angry Stalinists now? <laughs> <laughs> We're a very specific uh, political podcast. Um, anyway, know. where are we in the oh. in the story, Luz? <laughs> um, I was gonna keep going. Um, Dragon is sweeping around. Um, the boys are on the roof. Um, they mess vimes, and then it's once again padding around the patricians oh my god okay so this is the vines confronting once scene so um once is looking for the book and he's like goes into the patricians bedroom where he's buried it under the floorboards he's like reaching under the floorboards and then vimes i assume from the shadows comes out and is like looking for this (laughs) amazing scene thing is vimes does occasionally do like something epic and i am clapping this yeah yeah, this was epic and i was clapping like a seal the entire time yeah (laughs) but it's because it built to it it's not because he does snarky one-liners it's because he cares yeah oh Mm. okay he does (laughs) hey why does he why does he confront once i don't get it oh this oh um he's figured out it's him because what (laughs) (laughs) it was once all along it was once once. I didn't even realise you were trying to leave me into saying that I was just like wait what (laughs) (laughs) dumb break yeah because we haven't officially uh, confirmed okay so head of elucidated brethren is lupine once once. which is very satisfying for me that I got it right Very Lupin nice. There's still like a hundred pages left from the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as a, as a fi- obviously it's the final mystery and nothing after this matters. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can end this here. <laughs> Figure that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was a great podcast, guys. Uh, um, yeah. Bye. Supreme Grandmasters. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, he tries to pin it on Vedanari briefly, and it doesn't <laughs> remotely work. <laughs> It's like, why? Vedanari is just like absolutely never the kind of guy who would do something like this. I mean, for what purpose? It's an incredibly like convoluted plan that ends up not benefiting him. Yeah. And obviously, he, this was obviously, once was rolling a, a charisma check with a DC 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it didn't work. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, okay, well done, I'm convinced. I rolled 10 nat ones yesterday. It was a Oh my god. <laughs> Good That's shit. very weird. Maybe you're cursed. Yeah. Um, um, yes, they have this confrontation. Um, Vimes slaps him and calls him a bastard, and I, I clapped. Um, police violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but mean, it's good police violence. Police. This is police and uh, police. Okay. Yeah. Is police against someone who's higher up against the against the state yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's good actually we love it <laughs> this is the enforcement of the law against tyranny yes this is a um. pro cop podcast <laughs> 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 I'm a tanky now <laughs> um, the next scene is Sybil and um, Errol and she's trying to figure out what's wrong with him and she doesn't know and then she like somebody comes to the door and he's like okay well you have to come with us now because um we're doing some sacrificing um and they threaten her and then they drag her off to the to the palace but she's like she fights him off a bit yeah she does all right she's a sturdy lady she's got a mean right knee we didn't we didn't talk about this but there's like with the Agmore Porkins, there was also like a bit where they were rationalizing about how, well, like one human sacrifice a month <laughs> isn't that bad. Yeah, they're like, well, it's all right, you know, people die all the time. Yeah, it's better <laughs> than the dragon going around killing everyone. Yeah, I do it's... like. I think I forgot to talk about this as well, but the scene where they're trying to explain, um, like, what a virgin is to carrot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what, like my friend Reet and the girls? And it's, they're all like, no, no. they're not virgins. He's like, but she's unmarried. <laughs> no one ever explained anything to him. Yeah, um, he'll never find out. Oh, yeah, Vimes gets thrown in jail with Vetinari. And um, it's great. He's just vibing. <laughs> Vetinari's really calm. He's trained the rats. He's doing what he does to Ang Morpork, but on a smaller scale with bugs and snakes and rodents. Mm. Yeah, he has uh, reformed the entire rodent infrastructure. <laughs> back the rats against the scorpions and the snakes. Yeah, it's so good. They're both dead now. He has his own rat army. <laughs> they bring him uh, mystery bottles that are sometimes beer. Yeah, yeah, he's talking to them. He's like, they're very intelligent and they were all in a conflict, but luckily I gave them military advice and now the surviving species are my servants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he does it's say, never build a dungeon where you wouldn't be perfectly comfortable yourself if you yes. end up thrown into it. Yeah. Which seems like practical advice if you're ever in that position. It's yeah. essentially his safe room. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because Vimes looks at the door and realizes that there's a bunch of bars on the inside of the jail cell. 
Yeah. And as, as we see later, he can just get out whenever he wants. Yeah. Well, he doesn't reveal that to Vines. No. Um, there's the scene where the boys on the roof, the rest of the watch, um, they like climbing over the roofs and then they get to the roof of the whiskey distillery and that's where they stay and that's important. <laughs> um, and then they start talking about million million to one chances and how <laughs> if something's a million to one chance is more likely than something that's a 999,000 to one chance. Because mm-hmm. million to one chance those happen. It's practically yeah. a certainty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the narrative, you know? It's, yeah, it's, it's this n- narrative conventions as, as a law of nature. And it doesn't go quite as they think, but it also does happen. Which is a fun little sort of subversion and reinforcement of this this idea. Hey, I want to do something with this podcast because I realized this week that this is officially a UK based podcast. Uh, despite yeah, doing on it, uh, which means we can become we can like beat my dad wrote a porno's ass and become the number one. UK based <laughs> podcast and you know there's a million to one chance for that but it might just work <laughs> so I think I yeah. think we're actually less than a million to one chance what we have to do is worsen our odds oh okay until we okay. get to a million to one would it would it would we get closer to a million to one if I talked into the mic like this all the time and smacked my lips a lot <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that that's, is good audio and it, I think people would like it I think it definitely uh, worsens our chances, which in in a way increases them. So yes, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, my dad uh, wrote a porno. Always tends to come. Uh, it it's successful in the awards, but the People's Choice. It's almost always Brexit cast. What the fuck which is, is Brexit cast? Never heard of it. <laughs> I've never listened to Brexit cast. Oh, my Neither. dad used to listen to Brexit Cast. It's Laura Koonsberg and a bunch of other like BBC journalists just going through like the Brexit news. It's so wild <laughs> to me when I find out that like it's the same thing with Joe Rogan. When I find mm. out that like the actual most popular podcasts are the ones I would like, the ones I wouldn't even like. I always think that like Comedy Bang Bang is the most popular podcast in the world, but it's <laughs> just like it's just the most popular comedy podcast. The most yeah. normies just listen to podcast the same as they would listen they would have listened to radio shows before well exactly and the thing about brexit cast is it is just like bbc reporters so it's literally just like listening to the radio but only about brexit and it's a podcast which i think is because people in the uk don't understand what podcasts are um no i mean it's not better in germany like i don't even know what german podcasts are it's mostly just really news podcasts yeah Mm. Like done by the public, like the German equivalent of the BBC. My 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 German friend doesn't listen to any German podcasts, as far as I know. He just listens to Chapo Trap House. Like my German friends also, if they listen to podcasts, they listen to like my brother, my brother, I, and me. The only people, like the people that I know who listen to podcasts, either listen to exactly the same ones I do, um, or. Uh, and this is people I'm not friends with, but I know um, Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah my uncle listens so to people. Joe Rogan. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, he has, he's he's really irresponsible with his. Like, I've never I've never listened to it, but it's just the people he has on, like 
you should be not be giving Alex Jones uh, a, 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 mm-hmm. a platform like that. Like that man is dangerous. He's um, George. That's then, censorship. So <sighs> be careful what you're saying. Um. Censorship is when we don't let Jacob Wall on our podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes us literally as bad as the Nazis. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. That's why I hate I hate overhearing conversations as people talking about Joe Rogan. They're like, "Oh my god, he's going to have Elon Musk on it." I'm like, "Oh wow, uh, <laughs> that sounds like something." That's how that's my own personal hell is being um, in the yeah, but they staff smoke room weed at work and, and somebody super relatable. That. I'm like, "Ah, oh, this billionaire smokes weed just like me." <laughs> wow. I'm yeah. kidding. I've never smoked weed. Um, straight edge. I follow the laws. <laughs> this is a law abiding podcast. Mm-hmm. No, no crimes here. No crime. Speaking of <laughs> crimes, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to get keep keep Marilyn on. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a very quick uh, summary. Yeah. That yeah. We're doing. <laughs> doing great. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, it's a tiny little librarian bit. Um, and he's like, I also love Vimes. Um, and then it's the boys discussing odds again. And then Vimes digging himself out of the cell really hard and veterinary thinking I could tell him how to get out, but he doesn't. Um, Gives him purpose. Mm. Um, the librarian joins Vimes. Yep. Um Hmm. And breaks him out of jail. He just tears the bars straight out of the wall because he's three hundred pounds of, yeah. of pure pure muscle. Yeah, it's great. Strong. In a leather bag. Yeah. Very good boy. Um uh, Vimes finds a cleaver <laughs> which is good. Um <laughs> and then there's the scene with Errol trying to like he's he's doing something mysterious. Um, What's that boy up to? I don't know. He's just a bit sick. He's just ill. He's precancer. Um, then, so they've, there's this, it, it cuts back to the boys on the roof and they can see um, the, like, sacrifice being laid out for the dragon um, and the sacrifice is Sybil Ramkin. Yeah. Um, and there's this bit where they're talking about, like, I think they've put her on a great big rock. And they're like, oh, it can't be rock. We're on loam here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's the second loam joke they have. Yeah, which no. made me think of the loam pyramid again. Yeah, as an yes. archaeologist, very satisfying to hear about the soil composition of Ankh-Morpork. Mm. <laughs> Tells Sandy, us a lot. loamy clay. Mm, yeah. Loamy clay forever. <laughs> um, they try and shoot the dragon, um, and they think they've got their million to one chance. But it wasn't a million, it was 999,000. No. So he misses, and then the dragon tries to blow them up. But luckily, there was a one in a million chance of surviving. So I <laughs> so think they'll be just the... fine. Yeah. They all fall into the cooling pond for the, uh, the whiskey distillery, which like detonates all over the dragon. Vimes mm-hmm. goes to Lady Sybil's rescue with a meat cleaver. Um, yeah. And they sort of bully off the guards. He's very relieved to see that his men are still alive. It's also very touching. 
The patrician breaks himself out of jail by opening like a secret panel in the cell with like a lockpick and a key, basically. I can't remember. It's literally it a, a key. key. Literally a key. <laughs> he just had a key in his own dungeon. <laughs> yeah. It's his panic room that just looks like a dungeon. Yeah. It would have been bad design to not hide a key to the dungeon in the dungeon. Forty um, chess. Um, this is the bit where uh, the dragon kennels explode because Errol has finally finished doing what he was doing. And he has rearranged his insides so that he doesn't flame out of his mouth. He flames out of his behind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a rocket. He's a rocket dragon. Yep. He's like Astro Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Thunderpants. Which is incredibly cute. I love it. And he's sort of flying around the dragon. Um, mm. And they're all a it. bit confused as to what he's doing. Errol's flying around the dragon, they don't know why he's doing it, and then suddenly it, it, the penny drops and they're like, oh my god, the dragon's a bitch! Mm, the <laughs> female him. dragon. Um, and Errol is doing his best Errol, to Errol, flirt. Errol goes literally supersonic and like wrecks, wrecks the dragon with his supersonic shockwave. Yeah. <laughs> it's very silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great ending. It's it is like, good. You can never foresee this happening. No, I didn't. Yeah, honestly, like this was a this was a part in the plot where I kind of lost track of what exactly is happening. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know the way he uh, describes the action scene didn't really convey to me what's actually happening. It's yeah, a bit it confusing. Super well. He is not very good at action scenes, really. No, not yeah. He's more good at like introspection and conversation mostly. Yes. Which is good, because that's basically the next couple scenes. Um, yeah, they run away to the palace, um, and somebody else is also in the palace. It's Once, and he's thinks he's seen Vedanari, but he knows he's locked him up, so he gets really confused and starts running around, and he like opens a door to the study, and Vedanari sat at the desk like, Hello! <laughs> he slams mm-hmm. the door in, surpri- in like fright, runs upstairs, does the same thing. Veterinary's behind another door, like, <laughs> hello. He's <laughs> just being incredibly spooky. It's really good. That- I like that he turned into a Scooby Doo villain. Yeah, <laughs> he's almost. You did forget to mention that the dragons fly off together. Hmm. Oh my god! Yeah. Anymore. Well, yeah. I assume to carrot arrests a dragon. Um. Yeah. He like dra- carrot tries to arrest the dragon. Um, well, it's stunned. It doesn't really take very well, but it goes and flies off with Errol off into the sunset to have dragon babies? Question mark. Um, and they're like, "What happens when the magic runs out?" <laughs> and um, is it Vimes? He's like, "I guess what happens with everybody else?" So you know, Sybil no, goes like everybody else manages. Yeah, yeah, which is <laughs> yeah. so great. It's just wonderful because they have like a. They have, like, a sad parting earlier. An awkward goodbye. Yeah, Vimes and Sybil thought they were going to be separated and Vimes was hoping she'd, like, turn to watch him go and she did. She just shut the door because she's very practical. Um, <laughs> and then when the mob comes to chain her up, she thinks it's Vimes and she she's, like, trying to be all flirty and her tits are out a bit. Um, and she has to, like, cover up when it's the mob. But it's it's good stuff. They have, like, a conclusion to their, yeah. to their romance. I like how the romance plot unfolds. It's... It's just just enough in the background that it doesn't like doesn't feel like it drags the plot. You're 
no. always rooting for them. I I like how it's uh, Colin uh, and Nobby agree that I would be great for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very sweet. And I mean, to be honest, their relationship often like moves the plot along because it gives them a, yeah. a reason to want to be around each other. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just want to say the scene where I didn't mention uh, the scene where um, Vednari keeps popping up in front of Once is also the scene where Once meets his untimely end. Um, I guess timely end, actually. It's pretty it's pretty timely. Definitely pretty timely. comes for us all. Um, Carrot... <laughs> They're trying to arrest him in the office, um, and Vimes tells Carrot to throw the book at him. <laughs> but because he's raised a dwarf and he doesn't understand metaphors, he literally throws the law book at him, <laughs> and it pushes once off the side of the house into like a, like five story drop. Yeah, isn't it like a scary pit that they just sort of have in the palace? Yeah, <laughs> that they hollowed out for the dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they're up up in the ruins, top of the building, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Mm. And this is the bit also, which I don't know what this means. I assume you guys do, where uh, Vednari picks up carrots, like very oh. boring magic. Well, not magic sword, like the yeah. sword that is incredibly dull. And he's like, "That's interesting. I'll be keeping an uh, eye on you." And I was like, "I mean, that's Ooh. basically resolved in the uh, in last, last or second to last scene." Yeah. Where like I mean, Conan makes the same realization. This. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I don't know. Let's finish off the plot and then we can yeah. like talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> we're because so close. So thoughts. close. <laughs> the librarian picks up the books again. Vimes asked him if it's better being an ape, and he just says "ook." <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, this is the bit. Okay, they're trying to award the the watch for like services to Ang Pork, and they're like, yeah. "What do you want in reward?" And all they ask for is like. $5 pay rise, um, a new kettle, and a dartboard. Yeah. Which is dartboard. nice. Dartboard. That scene is very relatable to me because I also never know how to ask for things. Yeah. <laughs> They're sort of just trying their luck and like completely lowballing what Vetinari was expecting, but they literally they get worried that $5 is too much. <laughs> yeah. And they want yeah five dollars, but we don't go below four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one replaced kettle, and maybe a dartboard, but that's pushing a bit. And then there's another letter from Carrot to his family. Um, yeah. It's nice because he says he goes to see Reet again, and Colon teach is teaching him what courting is, and he doesn't mention Minty at the end of his letter, which I'm like, ooh. That's interesting. Development. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like almost like he's not longing for home anymore. He's found one. Anyway. Um, yeah. The last scene is uh, Nobby, Colon, and Carrot in the bar. And Carrot, like, mentions in passing that he has a birthmark in the shape of a crown. <laughs> um <laughs> And that, like, he's showing Colon his nice sword, and Colon's like, "Oh, that's interesting." Mm-hmm. Just like a sword that a king yeah, a long so time ago would have had. He's like, "Well, if there was a if there was a real hidden king, you know, like a real heir to the throne, maybe he wouldn't have a magic sword. Maybe he'd have an incredibly 
good, very normal sword that's yeah. good for cutting They're things. Just, that's just good at cutting, which is a very terrible yeah. thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah, I think I think this is like an interesting uh, meta-narrative commentary almost. How uh, there's this guy that is like th- that that trope that because uh, you know back to the thing of uh, fantasy tropes are natural law. And there's this guy, Carrot, yeah. who is yeah. that trope that uh, once was playing on with the, the the guy he wanted to make king. And he does actually, like, he is the one who in the end defeats once, who is the actual evil. Yes. Yeah. And, but once is also the one, the one who, like, signs the paper that says he can join the City Watch. Mm. So uh-huh. he's the one who brings him there as well. Ooh. It's... It's this really interesting subversion, and and like play they play they play it straight with carrot, but it's sort of hidden under the sort of main subversion of the the sort of return of the king yeah. narrative. Yeah, and they just it's don't also, realize um, how it's like it's, you know he has an unknown heritage. He was raised by dwarves. Uh, yeah, he's really he's really good with like controlling people's yeah. emotions, and he can buck people up in a way that they find like really moving and there's this whole thing as well with once where once uh when once um makes the dragon king the dragon is sort of manipulating him and using him as like a go-between because he says his mind is like mean and jealous like a dragon's mind Mm. so he's like this yeah he is this evil that is similar to the dragon which is what carrot defeats yeah 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 and it's it's basically like the play on uh because Corin realizes that, and Vatinari realizes that, and I don't think anyone else does. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that carrot is like that guy from the night, I mean, and they're like, "Oh, he- maybe this is fine." <laughs> he mentioned <laughs> we don't need to make the natural charismatic guy like actually the king. Uh, well, he doesn't the- want to be. Yeah. So the thing is, he he could be, but he doesn't want to be because it doesn't even cross his mind. Yeah. No, like he, got no it crosses his mind like, "Ha, oh, that could be me." <laughs> how funny! Yeah. But it doesn't need to be. Serving the city, and that's how he wants yeah. to do it, is through being a policeman. To this like weird idealized version of what a policeman is in this universe. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Like he just the, wants to be the a returning good boy. hero he want ends to be up charge. being like just a hero for the people and not the yeah. one who ends up being the king. Which I think yeah. is pretty cool. Like I think it's it's nicely done, especially because it's such a such a side plot, and it's always just hinted at with like his natural charisma and his origins. Yeah, Luce, what did you think of this reveal? I I think it's cute mostly. I <laughs> <laughs> like I think it's just like a nice little tie-in at the end of saying like. I mean, it it makes me think of like all the brotherhood meetings, like especially because they do actually mention like, oh, the real king would have a crown birthmark, yeah, um, <laughs> and like the whole rights of kings thing, where they're like, well, any of us could be a king, and that's still true. And I, you know, I don't know how the carrot storyline is going to play out on the other books, so I'm tentative to say that it's done well that he, like, doesn't become a king. Mm. Um. Because he, sh- he shouldn't, I don't think. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's it's cute. It's like a nice little... He's a good it's... boy. He doesn't need to be in charge. Mm. And he he doesn't want to either. No. Yeah. I don't know. There's this stuff for later books. It's also like, 
he ended up in the right hands or in the right company. Yeah. Like, I could also see him, because he's naive, like, I could also see him being manipulated into uh, yeah. into a more sinister narrative and him still believing it's the right thing to do. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's also a bit of that. I think it's neat and I think it's a theme. I think it's it's a pretty it's pretty themey. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Seems One like of the a theme themes. To me. Talk about themes and facts. <laughs> <laughs> themes and then also facts. Yeah. So I think this is really interesting bit with Bernary where he's in um he's in the jail cell and Vimes is talking to him and he's talking about like the nature of evil. That I wonder if that is what Terry Pratchett believes about evil. I don't think so because I don't think that because I don't think that the characters in the books are generally like like have a baseline of evil and I also don't think that Vetinari is um, the good like, guy yeah well exactly no. like that's that's how that's I think definitely how Vetinari thinks because that's his that's how he controls people and that's his outlook but then like if if that was the case then you wouldn't have fines and you yeah. wouldn't have like, I feel so conflicted and... about how much I like Vetinari as a character he's a great character he's just awful <laughs> yeah yeah. that's the thing but I, I never know if because spoilers for the rest of Discord I guess there's never <laughs> going to be a different petition. like the state, status quo of uh, of the Ankh-Morpork p- political system is not going to change no it's always going to be about how uh, how it returns back to how this is like like the norm and there's going to be a crisis and mm. the patrician might end up uh, locked in the dungeon and someone else might become king for a short time and it's always going to return back to it and he knows he knows that it's going to revert back to it like hmm. he has the city under control in a way that he knows even if there's a crisis like this there's going to be like uh, gears that turn in in like this bigger um you know R- Rube Goldberg machine of Ankh Morpork I'm mixing my <laughs> metaphors at this point no I know <laughs> what you mean though yeah it's mm. it uh, defaults gonna... back to his control yeah. which is interesting because like the the span of time that the books cover he never dies yeah um and it's it's always interesting to think what might have happened had he actually died of old age or whatever. Hmm. I mean, um, he can. Because I think he... He can I mean, die, he can. Is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but in the later books, he, like, he starts... Um, they say he dyes his hair black because uh, his hair's going grey. And it's like, at some point, he would die. And if he did die, like, it... Yeah. I don't know. Would I, there I be think, a, a vacuum? I, I think he can't yeah, die we'll because... Uh, because like this is the way the, the narrative is uh, or Terry yeah, yeah. constructed the system of these books it mm. is like veterinary as a constant like in, in this way and because Discord doesn't exist outside of uh, what Terry Pratchett made up or if it does it <laughs> we're not going to accept the TV show as canon so <laughs> 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 you know and, and, and in this way I think veterinary is made to be a character who can not die because he's less 
while he's a character he's a great character he's also like more more importantly a symbol or like a function i guess in the story and in that way he's simply like cannot die it's almost like a god figure where he yeah ultimately knows everything the same way as the librarian is not gonna turn back into a human no yeah yeah he's weirdly omnipotent isn't he yeah, I mean, he legit time travels in this book, which is, like, almost <laughs> oh, glossed I meant, over. I meant, sorry, I meant, ve- I meant veterinary. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Library, yeah. The librarian is, is not omnipotent, but he can unscrew someone's head by their ears. But again, he could also, also time travel. And time travel. Thing. Like, I guess we'll talk about this a lot more in, 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 in a future book. But yeah. the time travel thing is also interesting to me in a way that Akmorpor clearly has a past, or like Discord clearly has a past uh, in mm. which things were different from the current status quo, but it doesn't seem to have a future that is different. Yes. Yeah. It has history, but it doesn't have change. Yeah. Yeah. Although it does, it does change. But it does progress. It's mostly sort of the... Uh, like society changes, like with the clacks coming in. And, yeah, it's um, changed like a printing press being invented. Y- yeah, they have free press, which yeah, you know. they have the the press, and then they have. I mean, that's the whole moist book. So it's the press, and then they have the the, stamps. the bank, and they have the post office, and they have yeah stamps, and they have the trains. Um, it's everything does sort of modernize. It has a sort of weird magical but also not industrial revolution that sort of occurs throughout the books yeah that is interesting and yet the power structures never really change things just sort of change in that power structure do you think that's a reflection of british politics in the last like when was the first one come out the 90s 80s, right? 80s. 84 i think it's partly mm. partly that um partly I think Terry Pratchett had he had a lot of affection and a lot of love for industrial history, yeah, um, and and that sort of side of history. And I think often yeah. he just wanted to make jokes about it, so he would put it in <laughs> and make a novel about it, so he could talk about it and make like funny references and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. There's definitely like yeah. Discworld novels are less um, new stages of a story, or like the less new stories he comes up with, and more like. Uh, theme of the week <laughs> or a yes. topic of the week uh, format. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, less less theme in the sense of literary themes and more like, today I'm going to make a book about movies and now I'm going to make a book about rock music. Yes. <laughs> He's like, what can I make jokes about? Um, that would be good. And I think yeah. the, thing with the, Vi- the thing with the Vimes books is they exist the most outside of that. Yeah. Which is why they're often the darkest ones. Yeah, the, is because uh, yeah, it's true. The, the watch books are more like about actual political themes or about actual. They're, they're yeah. like less about gimmicks and, and more about like they're still gonna be. It's still gonna be like linked to a MacGuffin in a way that this one's linked to dragon, or the next one's gonna be linked to guns. <laughs> but it's in a more like uh, in a more political way i guess and more like entangled yes. in a systemic thing and less about how look how funny it would be if they made stamps in agmore park <laughs> yeah they're the most but then again, political ones 
but then even with those, I do think the politics filters yeah. in, like with um, with the sta- with the post office one that is about like mm. corporate violence um, enacted upon people, and like the newspaper one is about sort of racism and misinformation. But I do, I do think that yeah, the watch the watch ones tend to more explicitly be about those yeah. things rather than just involving yeah, I think, them. I think like a better example maybe would be like something like solo music where it's, where it's really much more gimmick oriented in a way that I, I got a, I, I can finally make music jokes. Yes. It's like, I want to, I want a band that keeps changing their name to references to real world bands. Yeah. Um, like rather than, um, they might be giants. It's we're definitely dwarves. <laughs> I didn't even get that when I read it because I unfortunately read the German translation. <laughs> That's oh, no. really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's very funny. There's so many band references in that book. Um, doing the play was pretty good. Um, yeah. Let's actually <laughs> talk about that uh, conversation between Veterinary and Vimes. Okay. About because we touched up on that a bit about whether people are evil. Mm. Yeah, a sort of banality of evil stuff, where it's like people just do terrible things just because yeah. that's what they do. Yeah, because like yeah. veterinarian's thing is basically well, there's no good and evil people. All people are evil, and some of them are on the opposite side. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think is a great view of the world. No, I no, it also I think, makes evil kind of meaningless. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think like people are just people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, which is what's what, what, what Sam Vine says. Yeah, which I think is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people are people. But it's like Lord. a great, uh, a great like Joker uh, conversation. Uh, you know, I think it's like yeah, you know, it's definitely what how veterinary sees things yeah um which is interesting because it does contrast to like granny weatherwax's statement in one of the other books where she says that evil is treating people as things mm-hmm. um, which again was later yeah um yeah like i, I mentioned if... this in the lost episode but uh i was gonna say vimes and weatherwax are the two mm-hmm. characters who basically embody uh, what seems to be the message or like Terry Pratchett's general worldview, the closest. Yeah. yeah, Vimes is definitely based on himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it's funny when it talks about like Vimes growing up in the gutters and being part of like small gangs of children who do terrible things. Um, yeah. Okay, I found the I found the thing. Watchman. So there's like. Okay. Yeah, Vimes makes... Or not Vimes, Vetti. It's so annoying that both their names start with a V. <laughs> Vs are edgy. If you have a V in your name, it's yeah. like edgy. I wonder if it was Vimes for Vendetta. Okay, so... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the Veterinarium makes like this big Joker speech. And then, and then it says, uh, Vimes shrugged. They're just people, he said. They're just doing what people do, sir. Yeah, and he's right. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, veterinary goes on for a bit longer, and uh, and in the end, 
uh, so Vime says about the endless, do you believe that about the endless evil and the sheer blackness? And Vatinari says it's the only logical conclusion. And then, like, this is, this is like the focal point of the whole thing to me when Vimes asks, uh, but you get out of bed every morning, sir? I just like to know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, Vatinari is like, <laughs> black pill and this is yeah. where yes. yeah and I think this is where it, it throws like uh, it throws Vimes' perspective in a different light because it's less about it's less about like actually believing the thing that Vimes believes in and it's more about how if I don't believe in this I don't know how to go on it's so it, faith you know, he doesn't say, say that like Pressure doesn't say that this is actually the truth just that it's it's the tr it's the truth you need to believe in to be a to be a person yes. because it is it is hard to argue with someone who says that sort of evil is innate and will never not be there like in a, in sort of general terms it's very hard to argue with that but equally i think it it it's it's not you know it's not entirely true Yeah, I, I think know. this is, and like it's also not useful. Like, it's not useful to think of everybody no. as being yeah. innately evil, and that there's, you know, there's nothing you can do to fundamentally change how people are. I think that's not, you know, that doesn't go anywhere. That that sort of framework just ends with itself. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't lead yes. to any great like creation yeah. or movements for positivity. It just sort of is is happy with itself, even if even though it's not happy, it's very very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes. and I, I don't know because right. you all have different academic backgrounds than I do. But I don't know if you all have ever sat in a philosophy one hundred one class. Oh well, boy, have I! <laughs> so there's always gonna be like mostly guys, uh, <laughs> yes, who act like. Well, but what if morality is fully subjective? Like you can't argue against that because it's all made up, anyways, and. But like the answer to me is really that it doesn't matter. It needs to be yeah. Like you need to believe in an objective morality if you want to be a good person, or if you want to be, you know, if you don't want to be a dickhead, you need to accept that that there is like ethics and morality. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like even if even if these things. Like no, nothing has, any, I don't think anything has intrinsic meaning, but I see that in a more positive way in that that gives us leeway to make our own meaning. We can, yeah, which we is, can, we can choose to create something from nothing, which is the only, nothing, nothing is created from nothing. We can, we can, we can, we can build something that isn't, you know, it's not natural maybe, Maybe it's hard to see how it will be successful, but but we can do it. Yeah, I mean, like, classic Kierkegaardian ex existentialism is just, like, you have to give your own life meaning free from absurdity and despair. Um, Thanks, Mr. Churchyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that is uh, definitely, like, a Terry Pratchett thing. Like, in Hogfather, um, when Susan talks to death and he says... There is no such thing as yes. justice. There is no such thing as 
faith and she's like but there is isn't there and he's like no if you grind the universe down to a fine powder there's no atoms of justice but you have to believe in justice in order to make it a thing that exists yeah, yeah and Terry mm. Pratchett does make it easy because he uh he puts like some incredibly evil people in his books sometimes like with tea time yes. or with um uh the guy who's gonna be um have a tragic Carson. backstory in the show probably what's his name <laughs> Carson. 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 Carson, yeah so he does like throw throw pure evil at his characters to see uh how they can still act uh in a humanist and moral way in the wake of that i think I think what they struggle with, especially vimes is less the pure like the pure evil characters and more the the complicated ones who aren't necessarily evil but do bad things yeah. I think. Like the common people in Ackmore Pork who will go and put a lady on a big rock uh, for a dragon to eat because that's what they've been told to do and they don't think that there's really another way out. But they're also yeah. not going to try too hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he still chooses to, like, it still chooses to be, like, his city. Like, it still stands with it. And these are the people he's sworn to protect. Yes. Who are also <laughs> super easily swayed to just do do these things in the wake of well this is what we need to do to survive yeah you just have to sort of keep going with it and I think that's why he finds what Veterinari says distressing it begs the question why Veterinari does what he does because yeah he, he does finds question that he finds pleasure in organizing the society in the way that he think is, thinks is best, which is a weirdly hands-off way. Well, he's he's not... the, there's the thing they say about him. not He doesn't have any vices. He doesn't get drunk. He doesn't love to torture. He is a mechanic, and he likes to like put everything in place and watch it run smoothly, but he almost has no real emotional investment in it. Yeah. Yeah. They're very odd. Hmm. Like... Yeah, but like if if he did, he would end up like once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he he doesn't desire power; he just has it and he uses it. Yeah. But once once really wants to be in charge. Yeah, because because like yeah, because once had like this plan to get power and to succeeded, and then he wanted more. But no, he does. He does. His, his whole raison d'etre is to create the society that he thinks is best, which is, I don't know, it, it's hard to square with someone who apparently has no uh, no sort of emotional investment in anything, because like, he, must, he must be invested in, in the sort of running of Ankh-Morpork in, in an I mean, emotional it is- way. One one thing that is possible that we haven't considered is that he's just saying what he knows will galvanize Vimes into doing what he wants him to do and <laughs> doing the right thing. He's playing, which is what he does a lot. He's playing four yeah, D chess. Yes, he is. Yes. Because yeah, he at that point Vimes is in the jail cell. And obviously, Vimes is trying to get out at that point, uh, as he always does. He just tends to barrel forward no matter what's going on. But it does serve Veterinary to have Vimes be galvanized, and he always says he's better angry. When Vimes is angry, he's sort of unstoppable, rather yeah. than just sad. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah sad, it's, sad it's Vimes is how, just alcoholic uh, Vimes. Exactly, How, how yeah. Veterinary likes Vimes more than 
like he he does really like him in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, he really likes him. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the the whole jail uh, scene, like we just talked about how he has the key, but he doesn't give it to Vimes because it would disturb his worldview, and it's better if he <laughs> yes. if he keeps having the attitude where you have to break out of the jail cell no matter what, and not mm-hmm. have the easy solution of already having the key pre-planned there. Yeah, which I guess in some ways does point more towards him just saying, "Well, we'll make Vimes." do what he needs to do really yeah he's a very interesting character he's a mystery he's a mysterious character i was going to talk about i was going to talk about once and how once is like this weird result of being like a weak child who always had to uh, buddy up to whoever was more powerful Mm. than him in order to get by and how that feeds into his sort of weird resentment of veterinary and wanting to become ruler, which is incredibly similar to the rest of the brethren of the Everon Knight, who he like looks down upon and yeah. sees as contemptuous. But it's basically the same resentments, just bigger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just bullies. It's fairly <laughs> common to react to to weakness and insecurity and hardships as a child. No, a lot, a lot of. It doesn't make you bad at all. It not, in, not intrinsically, not, not, not inevitably. Sorry, but you know, it's a, it's a. It can, it can. If, if people react in, ba- in a bad way to. Well, I'm sorry. I've, I've lost. I've lost the ability to speak. <laughs> no, but I can. I can pick up from here because, uh, to me personally, this is. This is the thing I keep t- uh, thinking about a lot is that when I was you know, 15, 16, 17, I was like one step away from getting red pills. <laughs> like, I, I, I think really? about it a lot how I, if I had like ended up on the wrong, in the wrong online communities, like just, just one corner away, I might have turned into like a, like a w- weird Reddit guy it's very it's like one of the easiest things in the world to happen like i have seen with people like that i know having that same kind of thing and just having this like outlook on life that isn't particularly helpful but it's the only one that they know or have encountered so far i don't know nihilism is nihilism is kind of easy in a way yeah if nothing matters, well, it means you don't, you don't have, to, don't have to worry. Anything. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a release. It's a release from responsibility, and f- it's a release from your own humanity in a way. If you yeah. don't have to care about other people, you're no longer a social animal. You're not. You, you are still a human, obviously. I'm not, I'm not saying that they don't. <laughs> they don't have human rights, <laughs> but like they are, they are denying their own humanity and their own ability to connect with others. And to have interests in common with one another, you're never, you're never gonna build something better if you just give up from the start. Yeah. Being, I think, being left wing, you gotta, you gotta try and do a material analysis of things, but also a lot of it is faith. Really, it's it's a faith in in the fact that there could be a better world. Yeah. Yeah, like I was, I was totally anti-leftism for a time in my life, 
and I needed to like I needed to like come full circle around and embrace leftism to uh, become a better person. You horseshoe theory yourself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was never, you know, I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have ended up a Nazi or something. But uh, but like I, there was a time where I was like, well, both sides of extremism are bad. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, that's how, that's the radical centrist uh, influences I had on my life at that point. Yeah, I remember literally yeah. being taught horseshoe theory in school as if it was true. Me too. Yeah, I remember them talking. I remember the history teacher being like, "Obviously, as we know, communism is bad because doctors would be paid the same as street sweepers." And everyone going, "Ah, yes, that's what communism is, and that is also bad." It's so strange. Wild. Yeah, it's a young, it's a young man pit thing, particularly. I think this. Yeah, I was gonna say. Black say, pill, I don't, red pill. I don't think. I don't think there's the same likelihood of that happening. I, I mean, it, it still does happen, but I, I think if you're a woman, it does. It is less. It feels less likely to happen, <laughs> just because maybe of the misogyny in those sort of spaces. Yeah. Like I never really felt close to any of that. Maybe because I was not that online i don't know <laughs> yeah i i had a weird one because my parents are both very left wing and they brought us up by those precepts you know that, that um but i you know i i, I never got in i never like interacted with communities online but i would still go on 4chan and stuff right <laughs> it, it, it's weird there's some there's some weird power that it holds over particularly young male yeah. minds yeah i think that they're like I, I was super into uh, political correctness has gone too far crowd. Absolutely. It, it's like the, the mm. edginess is really appealing to, to, to young men, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I, I don't know why. What I was, I think what I was closest to was a sort of libertarian rationalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> through some very strange <laughs> channels. Um, like... Uh, I I did spend a lot of time on like some weird rationalism forums, mm-hmm. um, Damn, <laughs> and it was more Charlotte. That'd be wild. Yeah, well, sort of, sort of like ultra scientific. Um, Same. Sort of atheists, liberal like libertarianism, which is very funny um, considering what I am now. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Yeah, think... I guess different things appeal to different. Like if you have some sort of intrinsic. I don't know, especially when you're like a teenager, you have these emotions that you struggle with and some things that make the emotions feel easier to struggle with seem like seem appealing to you. When I was young, like I massively got into like um, super liberal feminism, which I mean was was bigger and like there was a lot less criticism criticism of that at the time. Because feminism before then was just like feminism is dumb. So that was like the first feminism that existed for like. Yeah, well, because I was like, well, I don't want like hairy legs, and I don't like wanna. I like I. I don't want to burn my bra, so um, <laughs> I. I have to like the feminism for me is uh, continue being extremely feminized in the way that you're taught to by the society we live in, but like sassy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, which is weird to think about. But, like, I think it's just when you get older and you realise that, oh, things... Like, everything exists in a system. I don't yeah, know. Where do am some, I going You do this? some dialectics. Yeah. Um, we, live, we live in a society. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> All right, any other themes we want to talk about? 
And this is this is going to be a very fun episode to just put out into the yeah, world. Yeah, I'm going to unleash this to all my non-discord reader friends because like two-thirds of it is not book related. <laughs> it's sort of it's going off what the book is putting out and responding to yeah, it I in a in a political and philosophical manner. Mm. I think this is what the word because I bet all the other discord podcasts are you know, no politics allowed here zone. I don't know why I yeah, always assume the worst of other podcasters <laughs> who have the same topic I do a podcast about. It's because they're, <laughs> they're podcasts and podcasts are pretty sus. Yeah. Um, and also if they're fantasy fans, that's also like doubly suspicious. Yes. I mean, with a, with a Song of Ice and Fire, we know that Brendan Blackfish is like a neocon. So yeah, with, with a Song of Ice and Fire, it's easy because we have confirmation about the others being bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, mystery. How how did we feel as like police mystery, how this panned out in the oh, end? Oh, not at all. Damn, that's not the point. It's, so, <laughs> it's like ha- halfway or two thirds into the book, it just stopped being a crime novel or like a mystery yes. novel. I think, yeah, I think that there's going to be, like, future books that do better in that regard. Or that, that like, yeah. itch my uh, detective story uh, <laughs> nerve more. Yeah. I think, like, stuff like Thud is a lot more, like, yeah. Oh, and also there's a lot in, like, f- yeah, Fifth Elephant. Fifth, Fifth Elephant, absolutely. Fifth Elephant is definitely the most cluey one where you're like, hmm, trying to put these things together. This one... I guess, like I said in one of the other ones, it is Vimes discovering himself. Yeah. That's the real mystery. Also, just like in general, like this is not my favorite plot. Uh, no. I, I don't want to, like, the the whole dragon stuff, I, I love the part about, like the political part about it, but like just the big dragon stuff is a bit, I don't know, a bit, not enough not enough subversions of fantasy cliches for my taste <laughs> in a way that he does it, much more in, uh, in other books yeah i mean he does have this i i think it is interesting to present dragons as some sort of metaphorical animal rather than a real animal yeah. he's saying that they mm. actually represent people's need to have some sort of massive powerful thing that they either defeat or they let rule them and in that way the dragon yeah is a representation of power and it is king all kings are dragons is what i'm saying (laughs) all kings yes (laughs) the idea of monarchy is the idea of dragons and yeah yeah i I do appreciate the the ideas of it i'm just not 100 sold on the aesthetic i i like it as as you said, as like um, the dragon is monarchy, like as a in a broader sense, because there's this whole when they're all rationalizing, like, well, we only have to sacrifice one person a month, like that's not that bad, and like how that is so. I mean, it's it's what any country with a monarchy is doing, right? Like, yes, in in real life, I mean, sure, you haven't, you're not chaining them to like a, a rock and burning them alive or having them be eaten but you are cutting their benefits and you are funneling that money you've cut from the benefits into heating up the palace which i you know may as well be the exact same thing or you know you're electing tory politicians who'll cut benefits and use that for 
whatever. Going to Durham the, to see their grandfather. Going, going to Durham, <laughs> Dominic Cummings. Um, it's the, it's the, um, it's the, what's it called? The any, it's the people's retroactive justifications for the the unjust hierarchies within which they live. Yes. Because people don't have the courage or the ability or the imagination to think of anything anything different. Yeah. Because because it, it, it like the justification for it is because it is there already. It, yeah. it, it it is happening, so therefore, like it's okay, and it's easier to think about why it's right rather than why it's wrong. Yes. Yeah, so that's what dragons are, um, <laughs> which which is is interesting. But I, it is a, like as a plot line, I do think it is a bit thin. Not really that much plot happens. Yeah, like yeah. there's scenes and there's like skits <laughs> mostly mostly it's just like skits and then there's like a plot that has the skits in them which is good it's good it's it's i do enjoy it and i think yeah. it was good but it, it's, it's definitely not as like complexly plotted in, as later in ones. a bigger perspective like this is still i think his eighth book uh, yes. yeah yeah and i exactly. think he he reaches like he, he he's just finding his stride like this has already really great stuff in it but I think it's like a few books later where he's really gonna where he's really gonna get to to like peak discord and stay there for a while. And it's just yeah. this is just like early series uh series stuff where it's already got great stuff in it, but it's not quite as good as it's gonna get later. It's making me think about the TV show a bit, particularly the scene at the end where um <laughs> Errol farts his way into flirting with a dragon where I was It's just gritty um, Lucy. It's gritty cop drama. <laughs> how like how on earth do you translate that into grim dark epic like <laughs> I don't get it. I don't Do you think you're gonna go full in on this is like Shrek? <laughs> <laughs> if no, I don't I didn't think they'll have the dragons. Probably. I think Errol, they confirmed maybe. the dragons. Did they? Like oh, okay. In the, in the showrunner's tweet that we mentioned. Yeah, they did say dragons. Okay, that's interesting. But I I, was, I don't know like... how it's going to fit in the overall plot. Um, Carrot defeats the dragon by throwing his sword at it and then killing it, and then that's how it ends. And then he becomes king. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's good. And everyone has a big party at the end to live yeah. in La Vida Loca. But it can. Everyone puts up bunting. <laughs> but you're right, because like dragons are obviously a big budget constraint already yeah, so I can't like imagine them actually struggled. putting it off because it's like you know, <laughs> there's the thing George R. R. Martin said about dragons that uh, if you put a dragon into your book it's going to become about the dragons uh, yeah. it's simply so big and can't be ignored so if this yeah. like, if, if this show becomes about the dragon story I don't get why it wouldn't be the hook yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine them just doing a side what if they, dragon. What if, they mention, what if they mention the dragons, but you never oh see them God. and it always happens off screen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, they... it's, got Sybil, it's got Sybil in it, so maybe they're missing out the big dragon plotline. But it's the swamp dragons they've got. And it's, although they're, I swear, like, Once was one of the characters that's named. Yeah, so. Once is going to hmm. be in it and she's going to be a woman. Wait, is once, is once a woman a woman as well? Yes. What? Really? I don't think that works. 
Veterinary, quite... I can see. I don't know. Yeah, the veterinary, fine. But, like, once is a bit... It's that sort of impotent male rage thing. Yeah. yeah. Really. He's a red pill. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have to look up who once is going to be. But also, Carter's in this. What the... It's going to be really mixed up. Isn't yeah, it? once is going to be played by Bianca Simone Manny. Who, I don't know who she is. Uh, okay. Damn. The SJ Ws have ruined yeah, yet another like, series. I won't be watching. <laughs> credits. No women in my media. Yeah, that's uh, my issue with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the only IMDb in episode one apparently cast list, and it's got one person credited as Ook. How? Ook. What is the as Ook? Uh, well, that's not his name. What? That's his name, right? Ah! Uh, is it the representation of my old theatre society? Once, once is only once is only in one episode. That's not conf- That's like well, IMDb it, sometimes does that when it's not that's confirmed true. yet. That uh, is true. Who's gonna like the first build? People are always gonna be credited as all episodes. Ooh. How? So, so they're gonna have once, but also, they're not gonna have cut. Ca- uh, they're not gonna have cone. Ugh. They're not gonna have colon or or nobby. Nobby. What's the point? Like, <laughs> yeah, this is what we were talking about. You see, yeah. now you understand. Now, you now I get it. We did our first episode. <laughs> now I know who <laughs> like nobby and colon be. are, and I'm outraged yeah. that they would cut them. They're the they're <laughs> the main characters. The ones could be what like I'd, I'd, I'd cut once God. before nobby and colon. But the characters, are, the characters they put in instead are also like characters I really like. But they're not the like they're not comic relief. No, there is no there is no comedy. No comedy allowed. Uh, yeah, I do think that the wa- the watch itself is gonna be super competent and the comedy. If there's comedy, it's just gonna be like comedy in the way Game of Thrones has comedy. Yeah. So oh, no, so no says comedy. Cock. <laughs> yeah. And you go, haha! He said cock. It's very funny. Uh, who's Erto Van Pugh? I don't remember an Ordo Van Pugh, uh, but president of the Thieves Guild. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, right. he gets. He, he does get it. Right. He's the one that character arrests. But like, he's got such high billing on there, though. That's, it's someone I, who gets who has multiple billings. I just don't understand why they wouldn't have colon and Nobby. That's just as insane to me. Too silly, Lucy. They're too silly, and they're not edgy. Where's the edginess? It's because it's being adapted by people who have no respect for what they're adapting. They're also gonna have Inigo Skimmer in it, who was like one of the ambassadors in um, Fifth Elephant. So now I'm growing yes. increasingly more confused about what the fuck the show is gonna be. Uh, yeah, yeah I, again, I yeah, I don't know how they do Fifth Elephant. It seems hard. You see, there's a lot of there's a lot of like special effects. I feel they'd have to do. Yeah. Um, and that works for like a cheap adaption because if the special effects look bad, that sort of adds to <laughs> to the vibe. Mm. Um, but if you're trying to make it edgy, I can't see it working very well. Yeah, you can't do gritty realism in Ark Morpork. It doesn't lend itself to that. No, we really it's... do have to stream Hogfather because it it's so good. I think I it's caught not... like five minutes of it at Christmas one time. Yeah, but that looks campy. Like death has it's so good. It's so good. And it's it's okay if it's campy, right? Like that's Yeah, I that's I don't mind that. I, it's the thing is only like I'm 
I think this world adaptation would be great if it would look like Doctor Who in the 70s. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that's the vibe they need to get to. But I think uh, campy practical effects uh, have a much different vibe from campy CGI. I want, I want an animated one. Or even, can you imagine, can you imagine an, like a, a stop motion? Uh, oh, that like would be Ard, so good. Ard, Ard, I would love that ideal. <laughs> Ardman doing it. Would yeah, be but that's like, you know how long stop motion takes to animate? Oh, yes. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. it's really expensive and takes a long time. So that's, yeah, that's not. Yeah. That's maybe, even less viable than animated. Um, Should bring it to the I think close? it's time to wrap up. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. Next time yeah. we're reading Men at Arms, is that the next one? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So reading the first third of Men at Arms, I guess. We'll discuss yeah. later <laughs> what point we'll read to. This wraps up our guards guards discussion. I hope you got something out of that. Um, and not just a load of unrelated I political hope we've radicalized you. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're radical now. Um if not, just have a have a think about it, you know, have a little look. Yeah. Listen to QAnon Anonymous. That's the <laughs> that's the podcast that radicalized um, me most. <laughs> follow the Dao Te Ching, obviously. Um, <laughs> become a Taoist. Yeah, uh, thank you for thank you for listening, yeah. and yeah. we'll we'll see you this next episode. Watch is the watch, and yeah, Bjorn Strong in the arms is my uncle, your, your uncle. uncle. Whose uncle is he? He's our uncle. Young Strong in the Arm is all of our He's uncles. all of our uncles. This is an anti-Norwegian podcast now. Staring out through ancient eyes.